you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That makes it official. When the fat lady sings, the opera lady sings, that makes it official right there. Welcome to Chris Voss Show. Uh, remember, uh, folks, the Chris Voss Show is the family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law, because she's never liked you anyway. You know how that goes. Uh, but anyway, guys, uh, be sure to bask in the Chris Voss Show glow and share the Chris Voss Show glow with other people. We actually got some uh, uh, coffee cups we're designing, the Chris Voss Show glow, so you can drink the Chris Voss Show glow right out of the cup, the official cup of the Chris Voss Show. People like, I don't know, man. It's just a podcast, dude. Uh, anyway, guys, for 15 years, we've been bringing you the smartest people, the most brilliant minds, the CEOs, the billionaires, the Pulitzer Prize winners, all of the people who can uplift you, inspire you, take you to that next level in life. And that's what we do. And when you listen to the Chris Voss show, you bask in the astronauts, the U.S. ambassadors, the Congress members, the governors. Uh, you join an elite crowd of people that to uh, just spend their day bathing in the Chris Voss Show Glow. Three to four shows a weekday, 15 to 20 shows a week. We run like a radio show because radio, I miss it. I miss it. Does anyone else miss it? I don't know. This probably is a discussion for this time. We have an amazing gentleman on the show, and if he doesn't inspire you, you may want to get your you, you may want to go see a doctor and get checked. Uh, 13 years ago, this gentleman had no money, no rental properties, 50K of student loans and debt. And guess what? His first boss out of college told him he was the worst employee in the company and should be fired. Wait, they tell me that every day. Uh, today, he owns more than 200 rental properties without any investors or partners. He transformed his circumstances by adjusting his mindset, learning entrepreneurship, and side hustling intensely to buy real estate while working a full-time job. You are going to learn a diamond's worth of information here. So please refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss. Subscribe to the big LinkedIn newsletter, the big 130,000 group on LinkedIn, uh, Chris Voss1 on TikTok, and ChrisVossFacebook.com. Uh, Matthew Pizon joins us on the show. His wife, uh, Anna, Buy, renovate, and hold single-family and small multifamily properties for long-term in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania region. Lehigh Valley, Lehigh Valley actually. Um, they have the Lehigh in Utah, but they spell it differently. Uh, they have three children under the uh, under three years of age. That's always fun. Uh, sleep's overrated. Matthew worked for 13 years as a chemical engineer before a recent career change to a full-time real estate investing. He is a 2013 Fulbright Scholar to Madrid, Spain, where he completed his master's in international management at IE Business. Well, uh, since 2014, he and his wife have been buying and operating rental properties primarily in, primarily in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Outside of investing, he enjoys maintaining his Spanish language skills, spending time with his family, playing guitar and violin, staying in shape and traveling. Welcome to the show, Matthew. How are you? 
Oh, Chris, thanks for having me. Thanks for the intro. There you go. That's quite the bio, man. That's uh, exciting as hell. Give us your dot coms. Where do you want to have people look you up on the interweb, which is in the sky? Yeah, sure. Peasonproperties.com. That's our main home buying website and all of our socials. There you go. There you go. So to give us a 30,000 overview of what your day's like, what your business is like, and all that good stuff from your words. Yeah, sure. So I transitioned to full-time real estate uh, earlier this year, and day-to-day -day I'm training my team. Um, we have a, uh, a team of nine full-time employees and myself, and we're mm -hmm. out there pounding the streets. We're buying houses, renovating houses, uh, operating property. There you go. Now you've quite you've made quite the journey. Tell us your hero's journey. How did you grow up? What made you take a shine to uh, real estate? And uh, of course, you, you're welcome to expand on this story of someone calling you the worst employee ever because I think it's just funny as hell. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a recovering engineer, and I say that. So I'm from the fourth generation of engineers, and I went to engineering school, chemical engineer, and uh, uh, that's that's what I wanted to do. Love that stuff. Uh, love the analytical thinking, but. Uh, when I got to that first chemicals, big chemical company job, went into an IT role. My boss said I was terrible, that they shouldn't have hired me. I had no place there. <laughs> it was awful. I mean, I was crushed. You know, I had 50, I had studied for four years. I, uh, I had all this debt. How was I going to pay for this stuff? It was 2010. There was no job market then, not like today. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, I, I just felt like my dreams were coming apart, right? You mm -hmm. know, I felt like I was letting my family down, like I was letting myself down. And, I just felt that I needed to do something, something else. I had, I had nothing. I had no idea about investing. I had no concept of the future, building businesses. Um, and uh, that, that was a turning point for me. <laughs> there you go. And so you just wasn't your gig, even though you, you had like a generational sort of expectation probably to go, hey, you've got to go be a, you got to go be an engineer. Uh, your dad did it and everybody else, huh? Yeah, well, and no one said I had to, and, and they they were they, they encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do. It oh, was more nice. just yeah, I, I I wanted to I wanted to do it, and I was good at the the numbers, and um, so I chose to go into that field, and I'm thankful that I did learn a lot of good skills, but uh, I wasn't a very good employee according to that first boss. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm still not a good employee to this day. So, uh, you know, you got something going on. So, uh, you do you uh, coach people now? I, I can see some stuff on your website that you've got going on. Do you coach people? Do you help people about mindset and wealth, or do you focus on just uh, taking and buying houses and properties? Mostly buying houses and properties. Some of the philanthropy that I do uh, is related mm -hmm. to helping folks from disadvantaged groups that historically wouldn't have been able to own real estate oh, and, and invest. So trying to break down the wealth gap, wealth barriers, and uh, you know, break down that barrier to entry for, for communities that didn't have that access. So uh, I volunteer. It's a huge passion project of mine. And I, I love doing that to, of course, provide housing, but teaching others to do it so they can better themselves and their communities. That's what mm -hmm. really gets me going. There you go. How, so how does someone reset their mindset about wealth? How do they go from, you know, talking about what you, or, you know, were kind of, hey, go be an engineer, do the nine to five, do the paycheck to paycheck, and hopefully it all work out. You know, you've got $50,000 in debt. How do you go from that to having a mindset about wealth and acquiring and building companies and what you're doing now? Yeah, the, the answer is unfortunately at first pain. Um, I, that was very painful for me. Um, you know, how am I going to afford this? What am I going to do? So it, it starts oftentimes, it doesn't have to, but mm -hmm. it starts from a place of challenge and how am I going to overcome this? Something bad 
happens to kick off that hero's journey. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then when you say, okay, I, I don't want to be in this place or I never want to do that again, that's when the process starts. Uh, so uh-huh. for me that, you know, I, I told that story, but then it was, okay, what am I going to do? So in my case, I, I did my, my master's in management. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to do business, get educated and uh, then apply those things. So it took probably two to three years of solid education before I really pulled the trigger. Ah, and so what? So you kind of had to hit like a, I, I'm just sick of this, I'm not going to take it anymore, right, moment? Yes, yeah. yeah. You hit that moment or go beyond it, and you just say, I'm fed up. <laughs> You're just fed up. It's like that network movie, I, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Go to the window and scream. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday on the show with another uh, author, and uh yeah, it seems like I, I remember when I uh, finally lost weight and made some other changes, like I quit drinking booze. Um, I just get tired of, you know, I'm just like, I just wake up with hangovers and, you know, I, I, I don't even drink that much anymore. At 50, your body just goes, yeah, we're not doing it. You know, one beer and you got a hangover the next morning. And, um, and I just was like, I'm just not doing it. It was just not worth it anymore. Fuck it. Uh, same thing when I lost weight, I just got tired of being miserable and and tired of being miserable, being miserable, whatever that means. Um, and I just said, I'm, not, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm, I'm doing something different. And so I, I think maybe it's important. Do you think it's possible that it, it's important that we kind of identify that we're unhappy sooner so that we don't have to drag so long through that bottom? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, for me, it was just about realizing that I thought this is where I wanted to be, or even if you recognize that you don't want to be in a certain place, really accelerating that 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 pain and saying, you know what, I could see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Bring it bring it up a couple years and say, no, I, I'm not going to do this. You mm-hmm. might be able to plug along for a little longer, but you know, I, I saw you know where where my my uh, father and, you know, my other, you know, grandparents were where they were financially and things like that. Not, not that there's wrong with that outcome, but I saw the writing mm-hmm. on the wall and I knew where, where, um, where it would lead me. So I just, I said, look, you know, fortunately I had that experience, but even if I didn't bring up that, that change to the present, cause you see where it's going. Mm-hmm. Do you, you, uh, you know, I think too, was there anybody who, uh, inspired you or maybe motivated you when you hit that bottom or did you find a someone to help lead you out of it sometimes you know when we hit that bottom one of the key things we do is we find some sort of proponent like a book or a leader or someone who inspires us and we kind of that resonate that res that message resonates with us because we finally uh we you know we finally the bells finally got off in our head yeah, I, I definitely uh, found someone. So um, it, actually, it was about a year, year and a half before I really, I was kind of languishing a little bit, just just uh, not not excelling at, at my job. And But then when I found uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert oh, Kiyosaki, there you go. oh man, it changed. I realized, wait, I'm not the only one who thinks this is all stupid. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, so that was a that was an eye opener for me, and and uh, of course going to business school and things at the time, it really it, once I had the mentality and then I had the tools, mm-hmm. that's when I could start making the change. It wasn't just the mentality, or wasn't having the tools and not even thinking to use them. I needed both. Mm-hmm. So, it, did you was there an inkling that you started to have after reading Rich Man Poor Dad or Rich Rich Dad Poor Dad Rich Dad Yeah that, that you 
you're like, I need to start my own company or I need to, I need to do my own thing rather than rely on someone else. Yeah, the, the seed was planted. I wasn't ready yet. Um, mm-hmm. I was still afraid because of those loans and, you know, this mm-hmm. other stuff. I mean, now it's, you know, s- student loans are easier to repay and that's its own, that's its own thing. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it, it was, it took time and I, I wasn't ready. I wanted to just get out of debt. And I realized that that mentality was wrong after I got out of it, but it is what it is. You probably um, were it, married and had a family too at the time, maybe. Uh, so this is before I met my my okay. wife. Um, uh, we've been together ten years, but uh, it, was, mm-hmm. it was about two years before that, three years before okay. that. So because yeah. sometimes it's hard to take a risk when you've got a wife and kids, because you know yeah. you're trying to provide stability for them and <laughs> and all that stuff as a yeah. provider. So you uh, how do you how do you make your first deal? How do you get to started down the pathway? Yeah. So fortunately I had my wife's uh, girlfriend at the time, her support. Um, she knew that I wanted to get into the business, just got back from business school. So I went around with investors who were doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. I asked questions at the time there were foreclosures, not anymore. Um, and, uh, every Saturday, you know, my friends were out, uh, I did, I lost some friendships because of it. Cause they were out late drinking all this stuff. I was up at 6am <laughs> going to meet these investors there you go. and just different, different paths we were on. Um, and, uh, yeah, got educated, met with these investors, learned about properties. How do I underwrite them? What do I want to buy? What needs to be repaired? And I saw probably a hundred, 150 properties before I pulled the trigger. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just got ready and, uh, was scared, scared out of my mind when I brought, when I bought that first one. <laughs> there you go. You know, uh, the, you, you provide a great lesson. You, you put in the work, and a lot of people don't do that. They're like, oh, I'm drinking on Saturdays and I spend Sundays, you know, uh, with my head, uh, you know, hung over. Uh, I'm partying, chasing women, you know, doing all that stuff. Um, and I remember going, when I, I started my first company at 18, and our first successful multimillionaire company started at 22. And, uh, and then I had three overnight uh, within a year or two. Uh, and it was maddening. And I remember seeing all my friends partying, you know, chasing girls, doing all the stuff. And me, we're trying to run three companies at the same time. And, um, you know, just consuming my life and everything that I was doing. I mean, it got to the point where I'm like, we need to install a shower at the office because I don't even know why I bother going home with a shower and change clothes. Um, but it was worth it in the long run, the sacrifice. Um you know, and, and I've always had, <laughs> like, I always used to have guy friends. They say to me, you know what's different about you, Chris? And I'm like, what? You know, because we would go clubbing uh, once we got successful. And, and they go, money's first for you and women are second. And I'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, I did watch uh, Scarface. Um, and uh, first to get the money. Uh, but, yeah, I women women cost money to date them um so i need the money first but they're like you know with us it's about women first money second and i'm like well that's why you're broke dude and that's probably why you work for me um and you're always broke um and so you 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 did the work you went out and saw like what did you say 150 plus homes yeah you're out you're out you know in the early morning hours meeting with people networking doing the work and, you know, being accountable. And, and a lot of people just don't get that. That's what you got to do as an entrepreneur. You're like, uh, Hey, how come your, your little company didn't work out there that you started? And you're like, well, I, I don't know. I just trying to set up a website and then nothing came. So I just gave up. 
And a lot of people don't realize you've got to do the work, man. And sometimes you're going to, like you said, 150 houses, you're going to turn a lot of, you got to turn over a lot of dirt to find the diamonds. Well, that's right. And even today, when we know what we're doing, um, we're mm -hmm. still making a lot of offers and, and not getting them accepted or uh, looking under the hood, figuring out we don't like it and terminating. I mean, it's just part of the part of the yeah. business, but you got to have that relentless pursuit. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you'll look at two deals, say they don't work and stop when all you had to do was look at 20 more, you would have done one. <laughs> yeah, it's a numbers game. And people yeah. don't realize that life is a numbers game. Yeah. Dating's yeah. a numbers game. Uh, business is a numbers game. Uh, meeting right people and networking with them is a numbers game. You know, sometimes you'll meet someone and they're, they're not a right fit for maybe your network or they don't really help you, but sometimes you meet someone through them. Um, and, you know, working that those numbers games, uh, you know, Ted Turner had that great advice that was so brilliant, who built CNN and, and uh, the cable company. Um, and it was, you never lose anything by walking away from a deal, right? Yep. You can always come back if you want to come back to a deal. But if you say no to a deal, you don't lose anything. What you lose is if you're only looking at two properties at a time and you try to choose the lesser of two evils and instead of going and finding, you know, maybe flushing it out with the numbers to go look at 20 more deals, you might end up with two turds in your hand, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And the opposite is true too. I mean, you can get yeah. just stuck looking at deals, never making offers. And I see mm -hmm. that happen in newer investors too. They never want to... Uh, they want to educate forever and never take action. So you mm -hmm. have to be, there's a balance in the middle there. You can't just, uh, you can't walk away from all the deals and you can't not do the deals. You got to do some. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you've been, you've been working, I think you said you've been doing this for 13 years. That's right. Yeah. And you just, yep, and you just retired to full time uh, this year, correct? That's right. Yeah. Yep. There Earlier this year. So you've been doing the full time work and then, and then doing this on the side and, and, uh, and building it. Has that been hard to try and do both and juggle them at the same time? Oh yeah. It's, it's no doubt. Um, you, you work your nine to five and then in the evenings and even during the day, um, weekends, you're, you're doing the other thing. It's two full-time things. So, you know, fortunately I have a spouse who understands that and, and she mm -hmm. was on board, but, um, yeah, I mean, you're going to be ducking in conference rooms. I mean, I was doing that for years, you know, trying to, trying to make sure no one finds out, you know, just, uh, buying properties and, and calling sellers over your lunch break, walking outside, you know, making deals happen. I mean, it's, it's hard, right. But, but it's harder to be that person who's told they're the worst employee in the company and you should be fired. That was harder to me. Yeah. I mean, that'll, that'll definitely do it because, uh, um, you know, it's, it's definitely difficult to, to pull that one off. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, uh, I, it's, that's just crazy, man. And you, you went through all this stuff. You've learned the business. Now it looks like you, you buy homes in Pennsylvania. Is there a reason you stay in that area? Yeah, that's, that's actually where I'm from. So uh -huh. I'm, it's a, it's a great rental area and, uh, it just turns out that that's, uh, uh, it, the, the business model worked with my location, but it's not necessary. I mean, you can, you can buy, I mean, with, with the internet and, and you could find, buy, you could find companies to do the work anywhere in the, in the States. So it's, uh, uh, it just happened to work out that way for me. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and so what's the market looking like in real estate? Like some people were like, oh God, it's over. It's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, interest rates are up. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't seem like uh, things are going the place they need to anymore. 
what what is the market like nowadays and what should people's attitudes and mindset be towards it yeah i mean the the attitude mindset should be pretty local um each area has its own dynamics um where i am we've benefited a lot from some of the urban flight from new york philadelphia new jersey people seeking a more affordable way of life so mm -hmm. if you're in those areas and people are leaving it's not good for them but it's good for us mm -hmm. um so you know it's really it's hard to generalize real estate it's 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 hyper local mm -hmm. um but uh i mean rates are up it's true so it's harder to get it's hard to get that financing and that that those good loan products like two years ago it was like a heyday right so yeah. <laughs> Kidding. You just want to, yeah, you want to do, you want to do good deals right now. You want to make sure they cash flow. Um, you want to be careful, but um, if there's an opportunity, like I don't care what the interest rate is. If the numbers work, you do the deal, right? Really? So, yeah, Damn. yeah. I don't. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. Like if it, if it's you know, I, for years when I was getting started, I was paying twelve, fourteen percent to do a good deal, and that's when mm -hmm. mortgage rates were four. So to me, it doesn't matter as long as the deal can support it, and there's a, a big enough cushion there. Do the deal. There you go. So when you first bought your first few properties, how did you get them financed? So I initially would do, I was doing renovation projects in the beginning. Um, so mm -hmm. I was paying like a hard money lender, a bridge lender. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so I was, I was acquiring them that way and then refinancing them with, with like a traditional bank. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it was, I was uh, a lot of the times the properties on the market were um, either overpriced or priced around market. So I always wanted to get good deals, but then they had problems. So um, that I would use short-term lenders and then refinance. Mm -hmm. There you go. And you just built it up. And now, now I imagine you do some different things when you go from house to house on deals. Well, yeah, that's right. So I, I would just, it was one deal to the next. I, the goal was, okay, if a property is worth a certain amount, I would try to be all into that property for 20% less than that amount. Cause oh. I can get, I can get a loan for, uh, you know, uh, 80% of what it's worth. So mm -hmm. I wanted to get that 20% basically for free. Um, oh. because I solved the problem. Well, it was sellers had problems with either you know, they're behind on their taxes or mortgage or a family member passed away. They inherited it. They didn't know what to do. I'd mm -hmm. solve the problem and try to get a house for free basically. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it's, you know, because that, that was my fee. I mean, you know, some people couldn't repair the property. Some people couldn't, uh, they couldn't sell because the resident wouldn't let anyone in. Right. So there, there's oh, always wow. a problem. And so I would solve that problem. It was either a people problem or a property problem. And, uh, my fee was that equity. And there you go. once I fixed it, I'd refinance and do it again. I love that mindset of thinking from it that way. And just being a problem solver. I mean, that's what most entrepreneurs are. They solve problems. They come up with a product or a service that usually solves their own problem they're having. And then they're like, hey, other people like this and, and how to build it out. What's the makeup of Pennsylvania? Is, is, it, is Pennsylvania changing demographically with people moving? You know, everyone's kind of moving from the outside in, I think, from the coastal cities inward. Yeah, that's right. So depending on where you go, the kind of central and northern Pennsylvania is actually decreasing mm -hmm. in population. But on the mm -hmm. eastern eastern part where we are, I mean, there's a there's a hundred thousand people coming into the area in the next you know twenty thirty years. I mean, it's it's going to increase. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know it's it's one of the top retirement areas. Actually, you wouldn't think that, but a recent report came out on U.S. News and World Reports and Pennsylvania because of the low taxes, the affordability, the amenities, the healthcare it is one of the top places to retire. So people are wow. moving here in certain areas um, and it 
it's benefiting us uh, locally, at least on the eastern half of the state. There you go. And uh, that John Fetterman Center that you guys have is is funny as hell. The way I like how he's just turned in. Uh, uh, he's he's just Zuckerman. Uh, he's just Jeff Zucker, the the U.S. Senate with his with his dress code. Yeah, I mean, look, shorts and a sweatshirt. You know, it's it's not the senator or anything, right? Who cares? God bless him. Uh, I could be senator because I love shorts and and black shirts and and uh, black shorts and me too flip flops too. So I'm I'm like, damn, he's 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 broken the barrier where i too could be a senator someday and not have to wear a suit so there you go um you talk about uh what are some top tips for hiring the right property manager and why do you need to hire one why is that important yeah that's that's such a great question i mean i I self-managed for uh about four years and there comes a point where look you're working a full-time job you're Mm -hmm. also trying to buy their property you want to have a life you have relationships family Mm -hmm. kids you really don't want to be taking that no heat call at 9 p.m. on a on a Saturday. You know, you're watching a movie with your family. Trust me, I've been there. It's just the worst. And then you're, you're like, you're trying to call contractors and it's just, yeah. So just, it's a barrier between real life and your life where you can hire a service to resolve things and you can do what you need to do with your family and other things. And um, that, that's why I, I love property managers and I only work with third party property managers cause it's, I didn't want the empl- employee issues either. So, ah, at the time, so you don't at hire the time. attorney, I guess. Not now do that. you, have you changed then? You said at the time, so. Well, um, I'm, I'm not really looking to do, uh, my own management just yet. I might be forced to eventually, but um, mm-hmm. my property managers are performing, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I, I borrow a lot of money, but that doesn't mean I need to start a bank. You know, I have a lot of insurance policies, but it doesn't mean I need to be an insurance carrier. So uh, it, even though I could, it's it's at this stage, it's taking me away from the next deal mm-hmm. if I were to start up that company. I like uh, I like that, that concept because I'm the same way. I like the ability to fire you. Like people who are related to me will say, hey, can I come work for you? I'm like, no, I really like to fire people if they don't do their job. Um, and I'll probably fire you. Um, and it's not that I have a firing thing, but you know what I mean? It's if you've got someone who's a third party, it's much easier to cut them. And when they they start fucking up, then with an employee, you know, you got to give them three notices and you got to try and be nice to them. And Hey man, Joe, can you like get your shit together? <laughs> and, uh, you know, with the other guys, if they, if they do a real faux pas, you can just be like, Hey man, the contract over bye, see ya. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's easier to exit that situation basically, and you don't have any blowback of like lawsuits or people going, eh, "You've misfired me wrong." Um, and so, and the other thing is too, I found a long time ago was um, I learned this from I think the guy CEO of Discover Card or something, and he said, "Always have never have one vendor who controls everything. Always have two or three vendors." Uh, in a given in a given segment of whatever's being provided to your business, because if they know they have to compete and they're competing with other people, they'll do a much better job and they'll hustle harder yeah, unless they know that they have all your business. And the problem with having everyone have all your business, you know, a lot of the car companies have that issue right now. With like Tesla, Tesla makes pretty much everything for their car, to my understanding. But one of the problems that GM and Ford and Chevy have in trying to make EV cars, electric vehicles, is they've sold all the parts to different 
branches. You know, you know, some guy makes the radio, some company makes the radio, some company makes the thing. And so it's harder to get all the software to match up and hardware to match up where Tesla can, you know, we built it, it it's all integral. Um, and so you know, having multiple vendors and, and third-party things, I think really makes all the difference. Well, yeah, it does. I mean, and, and the finding the deal and buying the right deal, that, that can be very forgiving in the case of non-performance later. But I mean, mm -hmm. you got to run that asset, right? You have to, you yeah. ha you're providing an essential service to people. They live in your building. Mm -hmm. So you can't skimp on that management quality. Um, and if you can, you won't be in the business long, or if you do, you won't be in the business long. So it is a core competency. I, I haven't uh, really looked to um, do that vertical integration just yet with management. I've just been focused on building building the deal arm right now, but maybe in the future I do. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's certainly, uh, we've certainly achieved scale. So yeah. there's, you know, it, it can be plug and play to a certain extent. And I think the managers know that, that mm -hmm. like, okay, well, Matt has options. And even it, it's not that there's not just a, okay, well, he, he doesn't work. Cause I work with two main managers. They mm -hmm. kind of know that, but they also know I could, I could bring it in house too. So I'm kind of yeah. the third I'm yeah. the, the, I'm the, the, the bigger gorilla I'm sitting over on the side, but they know I could pull it. Yeah. There you go. Wow. And so, uh, now, um, what was your best advice for people that want to do what you do? I mean, you've, you've really played the long ball here. I mean, you, you, yeah. you've been doing it for over a decade, but you, you still kept your day job. And the one thing about real estate is it's a, it's a really long, slow income ball where i mean you you're, you're playing for decades but you know the value of real estate's always going to go up um and uh you know you're just you're making that depreciation money and all that sort of stuff um what what, what do you give advice for people who are finding off-market deals negotiating with sellers to buy them and and the vision for playing that long ball you know because you're not going to get rich overnight usually no. doing real estate yeah, I mean, first you have to know why you want to do it and you have to know what your investment strategy is. Um, I love single family homes and I told you my why, uh, but you know, listeners need to know theirs because it's going to get hard. You're going to have people, you know, contractors run away with, with materials and money. You're going to have resident issues. You're going to have, you know, slip and fall issues. There's all the issues, right? So you have to know why. Um, and after that, you know, when you know your investment strategy, you have to get educated. You have to build your credit. You have to save money. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be prudent with your budgeting because you can't put down a chunk of change that you don't have. So you got to really, you know, get those things right, get your credit right, you know, and, and then you have to find your team because once you buy this thing, now you're stuck with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's yours. It's your problem now. You can't. It's not a stock. You just liquefy. I mean, it, it could take three months to find a buyer, right? More That's if true, you ever huh? sell. So, yeah. um, you know, then once you have your team uh, and you got everything else before that, you're educated. You know, then you're looking at the property. People just want to go look at properties, and that's just not how it works. You, they skip <laughs> ten steps, and they they didn't set up the foundation. You know, it's, yeah. you gotta. They're 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 picking out the the kitchen faucet before they even laid the they even poured the concrete to the foundation. You know, they're just they're too far they're too far out in left field to even build a, a strong business. I saw that a lot with uh, some real estate friends in the right before the boom the bust in La, Las Vegas from the two thousand eight Great Recession. Um, they gone. I, I had I had a couple of friends that they'd spent like twenty twenty five grand going to all the. Carlton Sheets seminars and all the, 
all the seminars that teach you what you're supposed to do. And then they went out and they did every single thing that you're not supposed to do that they spent twenty twenty five thousand dollars doing. They'd spent they spent all that money just blowing it. And and I, I said I remember saying to him, like, you have done everything that you're not supposed to do. Like they bought homes that were twenty four hundred dollar monthly payments on on no down, you know, those crazy uh, negative AM loans from 2008. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm like, you bought homes that are, you have to make the service payment on 2,400 bucks a month, but the rental market in Las Vegas max for, you know, a full family is 1400, 1600 on the luxury side at that time. And I'm like, so you're a thousand dollars upside down. Well, we just have to find the right renter. No, you don't. No, one's going to rent that. It's stupid because yeah. they can they can get five hundred homes for less than that. And you're right, people people go crazy. They they get focused on getting down that road and they don't you know do the basics as it were. Oh, that that, that is so true. I mean, all all those mistakes, or they 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 want to go out and look at properties, but they they can't buy them because they can't. Get, they're not bankable. Um, <laughs> you know that. So you know, and then they're just instead of. They'll go down rabbit holes of getting educated, but meanwhile they're overspending and everything in their personal life, their credits in the toilet. You know, they, they yeah. You just have to you have to go in order because you can't skip steps in this business. You, you can, go. but you'll get burned. Yeah, and maybe fix your personal debt first and stuff like that. Like pay oh, yeah. off all your credit cards. You know, it's it's funny how people look to investments where they're like, Hey, I want to invest in, you know, maybe real estate or stocks or something. And yet they're paying, you know, these exorbitant credit card rates right now. I think the reports are in studies that we're, we're on a credit card drug mission ever since COVID it's like keeping the economy running. So I don't know, maybe it's half good, but people are, people are just pouring credit card debt. Like it never before. I think it's a record we've never seen before. Um, and you know, it's like, those things will bleed you out first. That's actually the thing you should get rid of first. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and if, if you're living your personal life, uh, outside of your own means, I mean, gosh, what are you going to do with your business? I mean, it's just, it's common sense, right? But people don't think they're looking for the silver bullet. They're looking for the quick fix. Um, and this, yeah, I mean, this, this business is a slow, uh, I, I I forget who said this, but someone said real estate is slow and dumb. I mean, it's, you can see the trend, you follow the people, <laughs> you follow the jobs, follow the people. It, it's prices aren't going to shoot to the moon. I'm, now, yeah. recently they, there was some appreciation, but I mean, it's like, look, it's just be methodical. You just, just do the math and the math will tell you what to do. Yeah. I mean, that's the beautiful part about real estate investing is it's not, it's not, so, it's not so much cyclical. It is kind of with interest rates, but um, you know, there's not, there's not a huge amount of new property. There's a really inventory property. We have problem. We have in this country of not enough SFRs being built, single family residences. In fact, multifamilies are being thrown up like it's going out of style, um, which isn't going to fix the problem. I mean, we actually need like, I don't know, some government, hand down to say, hey, you get $30,000 off builders if you buy SFRs. We need like a huge Levittown sort of uh, rollout going on. But that doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon. You know, so many cities have these laws and regulations where they're like, not in my backyard, you know. And uh, so they're, they're kind of, you know, creating their own problems. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, you can invest in Bitcoin or something that's crazy and extremely volatile, 
the great thing about housing is it's going to always be around. So as we go out, uh, Matthew, give us your final thoughts and pitch out. Uh, how can people onboard with your site? Uh, what sort of clients are you looking for, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, sure. So we help uh, anyone in eastern Pennsylvania who's looking to sell their their uh, property, primary residence, rental, off-market. No, we, uh, we charge no fees, commissions, anything yeah. like that. And we buy direct from, from home sellers. So um, you can reach out to us on our website, and we'd love to work with you. There you go. And give us the website as we go out. Sure. Peasonproperties.com. There you go. Well, very insightful, my sir, uh, friend, to uh, have uh, done all this stuff. And I love the story, too. Uh, you're you're clearly not the worst employee ever, according to the that guy from, you know, 10, 20 he, years ago. He did me a favor. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we need somebody to kick us in the butt and, and kick us over the finish line, as it were. And then yeah. you're like, you're like, hey. Thanks for that. I, I kind of needed that wake-up call, as we've talked about on the show. Uh, so thank you very much, Matthew. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, Chris, love being here. Thanks so much. Thank you. And thanks, my audience, for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss. Subscribe to the big LinkedIn newsletter. That thing is just killing it over there. It's, it grows like a weed. The 130,000 LinkedIn group. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, Chris Voss, one on the TikTok, and Chris Voss, Facebook.com. You can chat with the show over there. Thanks for tuning in to my audience. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.